Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. Play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside my co-host, Hank Indictor. It is the holiday season, so Santa Claus has come into town here tonight to try to cheer up the Giants faithful. Hank, how are you doing tonight, my friend? You know what? Regardless of the Giants, I'm doing excellent. I am ready for this holiday season, and you know what? Even in a lost season, I am always pumped up for a game against the hated Philadelphia Eagles. And, Tom, how are you doing, my friends? I'm doing great. I really, really am excited for this game on Thursday evening. And before we kind of dive into that, we're going to briefly recap the Dallas game this past Sunday because there wasn't too much good to take from it, but we're going to recap it anyway. We're going to reveal our New York Giants player of the week. Stay tuned for that. Folks, give us a follow at Big Blue Avenue on Instagram, Twitter, and our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue for some excellent exclusive content. And, of course, we are a sub show of Review and Preview Sports. Make sure to like our Facebook page at Review and Preview. But our first topic of the evening is the Giants falling to the Dallas Cowboys by a final score of 21 to 6. Hank, uh, take us through that first half recap because it really, really wasn't promising. Giants found themselves in a 15-3 to hole heading into the locker room. I mean, at the beginning of the game, it seemed like, okay, maybe they had a chance because the Cowboys, they opened the game with a 10-play drive, but of course the Giants forced them to punt. But then it was on the Giants' first drive that I think, and stop me if you haven't heard this before all season because it's pretty much been a normal occurrence, the Giants' opening drive would fare no better. The sixth play, Mike Glennon throws a pick to Jordan Lewis that he would return 18 yards to the Giants' 13, and then two plays later, Zeke runs it all the way in for a touchdown. It's 6 nothing Cowboys right off the bat, but... Fortunately for the Giants, Zerline missed the extra point. He actually hadn't really been having a good day with those, despite kicking a few field goals. But the Giants and the Cowboys pretty much would exchange field goals on their next possessions. And when the Giants' next drive ended on a punt, the Cowboys mounted a six-play, 68-yard drive where they reached the Giants' 24, settled for a Zerline field goal, and yet again, more disaster. The Giants continue to give up points at the end of the half. Shocker, right? Giants' last drive ends with a Saquon Barkley fumble that was forced by Demarcus Lawrence and recovered by Carlos Watkins. 
Cowboys basically just had the ball the rest of the half, kicked the field goal, 15 to three Dallas. And yeah, I'd say the game was pretty much over there. It, it was a very ugly first half to say the least. Yeah, it was very, very ugly. Um, gosh, and we have some comments already. Uh, ben Cruz saying, what's up in the comments section? Hope you both enjoy your holiday. Thank you, Ben. What's on your Christmas list for this Giants team down the rest of the season? Things you want to see in terms of improvements. Well, we'll get to the improvements portion of that later, Ben, so stay tuned. But uh, Christmas list for the Giants team mm. down the rest of the season. I want to win out. Simple as that. Because we still own the Bears draft pick. I want to win out. I think any fan who thinks otherwise is besides themselves. Um, people who want two top ten draft picks, you never know if that draft pick's going to pan out. So why the hell would you want to lose? I want to win out and finish the season at 7-10. and 10. That's what I want, and I want Joe Judge to go in with more confidence into year number three. That is what I want, Hank, for Christmas. I mean, at the end of the day, as much as two top 10 draft picks are nice, the draft is also a crapshoot, so I totally get where you're coming from. But with that having been said, if they had to win one game out of the next three games in this stretch, I think you know which game I want to win. It's this one. Yeah, I want I, to I agree. play spoiler with the Philadelphia Eagles, make them regret winning so that way they screw up their own tank. So as as – Word to Brian, it's hard if you're watching this. So, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, we'd like to help, uh, I, I guess, Brian Atard out. I don't want to help the Dallas Cowboys out, but I want to help Brian Atard out. That, that's what I want to happen. Fellas, I love the holiday spirit. Sam, we love you commenting for us here tonight. Oh, I love the sweater, Hank. That's not an ugly sweater. No, it's not. I it's had very, to rock this one. Very holiday. precious. Thanks, dog, and uh, I, lo- I love it, too. It was a great thing that I found on Amazon when I was a senior in college for um, senior night, at, or probably the last um, holiday pub night I could go to at Reds back when we were at Sacred Heart. But then, you know what? The only the only tough part about this is it's going to be a long time before I can really upgrade this to five-time. But in any event, it's it's something I love wearing during the holidays. And, Sam, we miss you. This show is not the same without you. Yeah, we miss Sam a lot. Sam, we hope you're doing well. By the way, your segment last week on Michael Strahan was awesome. Make sure yes. to go check Sam Cardona out at The Girl Who Talks Sports on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks, yes. Sam. Keep the comments coming, folks. James Montefusco says the best part of this game was the free medium soda. Um, I love these some free medium Pepsi. In fact, uh, I have a beverage in here that is not a free medium Pepsi, so shame on me uh, for that. But, uh, Hank, how, this was somehow symbolic for John. I mean, this is pretty much a slap in the face. And you know what made matters worse? It wasn't a, just a free Pepsi for anybody. It was a free Pepsi for season ticket holders and one per party. One per season ticket holder account. How pathetic is that? You know, I'm going to say this again, like I've often been saying about the Giants. And Tom, again, stop me if you've heard this before. Anytime you think the Giants can't reach rock bottom or go any worse, 
they'll just find a way to keep digging a hole and keep going even lower than rock bottom. And free soda? Oh my gosh, don't even get me started. Like, couldn't you at least give the the fans over 21 a free beer? I mean, look, we've been through a lot watching this team over the past nine of the nine of ten years. Another horrible performance, and not a large soda, a medium soda, and one per party. Was it really free? Or I should say like 10 bucks worth of soda you're just going to give for free to like one party? Ridiculous. Unreal. It's it's just sad how far our franchise has fallen. It's gone from a once coveted franchise, one of the top in the NFL, to an absolutely pathetic laughing stock, which I'll rip into the Giants just a few moments, uh, and before we get to the second half of our game recap, Ben has another comment. They should give out free tickets to be fair at this point. Well, not Ben, I agree because it took license plate guy to help fans to show up to the game. Otherwise, we might have been outnumbered by Dallas fans in that game. Nobody wants to show up. Oh, why, why would you want to pay to see a product on the field that you know is not going to be successful week in and week out? Well, not to mention if, like me, you're from Westchester – the, you know the commute to Giant Stadium is absolutely horrible. Like, going from New York to New Jersey, like, other than taking the annoying train system where you have to go from Grand Central, walk to Penn, and then take New Jersey Transit, mm-hmm. the only other way you can get there is either going on the on the GW or what I will always call the Tappan Zee Bridge, and then probably sitting through a whole lot of traffic, and then having to pay a good amount for parking. So, yeah, free tickets, spot on. I like that comment. Yeah, um, definitely. There's a reason why I don't make the trip to Giants Stadium too often, or at least only once or twice a year. And Ben's a Patriots fan, too. Look, we respect you guys. We have a lot of New England in our uh, franchise. You guys also have a lot of Giants in your franchise because Belichick originated from the old-school New York football Giants. Sam, with another comment, agreed, Hank. A free beer would be so much better. James seconds that. Um, we might want more than one free beer. Well, with the losing that this yeah, team has right. gone to, how about some free Chianti right now? Give you some. I'll take give you, that. Give you, some, give you some of that. Uh, 20, 2019 bottle uh, made in Italy. See, I just downed a nice little Jamaican red stripe in this little aluminum beer can that I got at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. but uh hank so my ears don't bleed much longer uh why don't you take us through the second half recap and actually uh before you do that i just want to say one thing folks uh we have a lot in store for you tonight and i have a rant on dave gettleman upcoming there was a report this this week from uh, a pretty popular person on twitter has about forty four thousand followers and There's a lot of rumors surrounding the Giants organization and Dave Gettleman. And obviously we know Dave Gettleman is on his way out. And if these rumors are to be true, some of them I think are very true. Some I'm not so sure about, but I'm going to go over those in just a few moments. This franchise is just sad. I mean, Dave Dave Gettleman is absolutely, absolutely senile if these rumors are true. But Hank, why don't you take us through this abysmal second half recap? My pleasure. Sort of, if you can call it that. (laughs) The Giants opening drive, basically, it looked promising. You had a Devin Booker 31-yard run where he tacked on 15 more yards. Devontae. Devontae. 
You know what I meant. Long sport guy. <laughs> I know. I'm 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 losing it today with this franchise. Look, we're four and ten. There, there there's a reason to be losing it. Devontae right Booker had a 31 yard run where he tacked on 15 more with a horse collar tackle. Giants reached the 20 yard line. Stop me if you've heard this before. They couldn't get any further in the red zone. However, this time it wasn't because they had reached the red zone and failed. It was because of a holding penalty. Yep. Kyle Rudolph had a holding penalty, pushed them back 10 yards. And Tom, you know what they say about penalties in the red zone. They are drive killers. And as a result, they got no further. All they got was a 42-yard field goal from Graham Gano. And, yeah, that was pretty much as close as the Giants would get. Next possession. They're facing fourth and one, own 29-yard line. Probably not the best time to be going for it, but, you know, I guess I guess that really that was a decision that to me really reeked of desperation. They had a they tried to rush with Mike Glennon, but he didn't reach the first down marker. Gave the Cowboys the ball back. Seemed like a freebie in terms of getting a field goal, or in terms of being in scoring position. And you know, they put the game away on this drive when Dak Prescott threw a one yard touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz. By the way, stop it! Stop me if you heard this before. What position is Dalton Schultz? Tight end. Are we surprised? Absolutely not. Because you know why? The Giants can't cover tight ends. What else is new? Thank you. New decade, same issues. Extra point, though. No good. But at this point, did it really matter? Well, you know what, though? I will give you this. There was one silver lining at the end of this game. Jake Fromm entered for the Giants' final drive. He mapped a 16-play, 79-yard drive. Giants got to the Dallas 9-yard line, but unfortunately on a 4th and 5, they failed to convert. A few takeaways from this drive. Fromm was sacked twice, but there were definitely some positives. He hit Kenny Galladay for a 36-yard completion on 3rd and 10. That was actually his longest catch of the season, which, wow. Very sad. Yeah, that's that took Jake Fromm. Took him for Galladay to get four, to get four touches on one drive. Ridiculous. Four targets, Target. four targets on that drive. That thirty-six yard catch was Kenny Galladay's longest reception of the season. Isn't that sad? Horrible. I, I, I Horrible. think that's being considerate using the word sad. So it goes without saying, but there is no way they should go into the next game with Mike Glennon as the starting QB. I want to see how Fromm does the last three games as a backup quarterback. I don't care whether it's just if he doesn't work out in the future. I don't care if it's him possibly being the backup in 2022. I just don't think I've seen enough of Mike Lennon to know you can't start this guy the rest of the season. I've seen enough of this entire roster. I mean, let's get through the bad first because I'm, I'm so sick of it. Somehow, again, this free medium Pepsi thing was very symbolic. Oh, uh, and, and we still have comments rolling down about it. But before Ben says, hey, you've gotten us in two Super Bowls, so I have to respect you guys, of course. And we, we respect you as well. Cruz, that uh, was a long time ago, though. It, it was. It was. Adam Rothschild. One free soda per season ticket holder who was actually at this game. I bet they gave out less than 50 sodas. 
I wouldn't bet against that, but I nope. think it, it was slight, slightly north of that. Um, Tom, we're going to need to have a wine night one day. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I'm absolutely. Gonna, I'm there's a uh, Pinot Grigio in the fridge. Uh, I have a, um, a doctor who has a liquor store down the block. Mostly wine has some, he has Josh, he has Prosecco. He has everything. Good variety of stuff. Jack Daniels is. In fact, uh, Sam, would you like it if uh, this special guest joined us on this wine night? Yes, you may, Jamie. Absolutely. Shout out Hank's mom. Uh, (laughs) Tom, I love, I love it. Gold chain wearing stallion, except I don't have a gold chain. And, um, (laughs) Glad I was working the Nutcracker than watching the game. Yeah, if you have more entertainment working a, a Nutcracker play than watching the Giants game, that's uh, that that's a serious issue. Um, I, I I I think a lot of Giants to develop psychomatic illnesses. Um, oh, for sure, Wine Night Palooza. Yes, you know what? This might be the highlight of our season. To be honest with you, having a wine night palooza, there, there's nothing better to do as Giants fans. We might as well watch the real New York team in the playoffs this year, considering they get in. So, or I have another idea. idea. Another idea. There's a certain hockey team that's doing well. They play in the borough of Manhattan. They're pretty close to first place right now once the NHL gets back. I'm not sure I want to drink wine in a hockey game, but that is also an idea. Still, I'm just saying you should watch the one redeeming factor of New York sports, LGR. All right. X's and O's now. So Sterling Shepard, done for the season. Uh, I believe he tore his Achilles, possibly the end of his Giants tenure, which really, really sucks. He's been with the team for six years, was drafted in the second round of the 2016 draft, and one of the two – holdovers from the Jerry Grease era that is still on this roster. Um, Tom, can I just say, I know we've talked about Daniel Jones, and I know we've been supportive of him all year. And However, with that being said, if there's one guy on this roster that I feel the worst for, it's Sterling Shepard. This guy has been through a lot in six years, a lot of losing, and he has given it his all and to see his giants career possibly end like this, that's, it's a real damn shame. Him, Jabril peppers as well, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit, but all right, let's talk about Mike Lennon for a second. I mean, this guy is simply awful. He looks delusional on the football field. It is that bad folks. And if you have any comments on Mike Lennon, please, we would love to converse with you about Mike Longneck Glennon. Somehow the Bears paid him like $18 million one year or something like that. 15, um, but pretty 15, close. Pretty bad. Shit. 13 Three years, 45 million. This man threw for 99 yards and three interceptions with a quarterback rating under 25 through over three and a half quarters. Glennon becomes the first New York Giants starting QB to throw for under 100 yards and have a sub 25 passer rating since Danny Cannell. That is how bad Mike Lennon was on Sunday. And it doesn't stop there. Let's make matters worse. Oh boy. 
Jake Fromm was noticeably better under center. 6-12 for 82 yards on that last drive. So, all right, that last drive, Fromm was in the game for maybe five minutes, not even. 82 passing yards. That is 17 less than Mike Lennon threw for in three and a half quarters. I don't care if the defense was playing off a, a little bit. Mike Lennon was going up against that same defense the entire game. The entire game. Still really did more for us in one last drive than Mike Lennon did. It really, really frustrated. Long neck, Mike. You know, it's something about the Giants and wanting Giants to play the quarterback position. Eli Manning, <laughs> six four. Daniel Jones, six five. Mike Lennon, six seven. <sighs> if Jake Fromm starts this week, he'll be the shortest starting quarterback for the Giants since before the millennium. Kerry Collins was pretty tall. He was six four, six five. Kurt Warner was 6'4". There hasn't been a quarterback shorter than 6'4". That's crazy. a game for this football team since before 2000. Jake Fromm would be the first. I mean, this team is a mess. We don't even know who's starting, and we're less than 72 hours before kickoff. I mean, again, if you want to – if you really, really want to tank the season, I would suggest starting Mike Glennon, but you know I'm not on you know I'm not necessarily for that. But in any event, you want to know another horrible fact? This is the sixth straight game without having more than two hundred yards through the air. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this is the seventh of the last eight games with that stat. And by the way, I'm since you mentioned Danny Cannell being the starting quarterback like the last one to have a sub-25 passer rating in a sub-100-yard game. This Giants team, to me, has the feels of a lot of those nine, those 90s Giants squads. Like, that, those teams had, had at least, like, a solid defense, but the offense just wasn't scoring a lot of points. I'm thinking, like, maybe around, like, the 95-96 Giants seasons, if you know yeah. what I mean. Mm-hmm. And another thing, four turnovers – Tied for a season high, also the L.A. Rams game. You had a Saquon Barkley fumble. Granted, he he's not a running back who fumbles a lot, but that one, the one that happened at the beginning was still pretty glaring. Yeah, it was only the third of his career, by the way. Yeah, that's, if, there, if there's anything that we've criticized Saquon Barkley for in the past, fumbling the ball isn't one of them. I would agree with that. Uh, that's the one thing he's been very good at taking care of the football. But I mean, I'm just looking at all these negatives. Devontae Booker outrushed him. Uh, not good. Offensively, you, you couldn't get a pass game going. I mean, you met Jordan Lewis, in addition to that interception, also had four passes defended. Diggs had a pick and two passes defended. Uh, defensively, we were okay, but you couldn't stop Tony Pollard. 12 rushes for 74 yards. The Cowboys were 57% on third down, partially due to the Giants' COVID outbreak in the secondary. That left Jaron Williams, a 2020 undrafted free agent out of the University of Albany, to start his first career NFL game across of James Bradbury Flunker. I don't know if we could call him a bunker anymore. Uh, it's gotten to that point. So, look, decimated or not, this defense, again, 
they they Dalton Schultz was targeted eight times. He caught all eight of his targets for 67 yards and one touchdown. Not good. And this was the first loss at home to a division rival in the Joe Judge era. So again, not cutting it. And the Cowboys have owned us over the last five, six years now. They've won nine out of their last 10 against the New York Giants. So that is the conclusion that we've come to. Quickly, we will go over some of the positives because there were some positives to take from this game. And then we'll move on to my Dave Gettleman segment and then Philadelphia. Go for it. And Hank, so, you you had some words about Joe Judge, and I am in full alignment with you. And one one positive you took from this game about him. Yeah, I mean, listen, I even though for the most part of the season I have been I I haven't been one of those guys that have said fire Joe Judge. There have also been moments where I haven't been afraid to criticize him, and rightfully so. And at, at this point, you you know, in my as I've said a few times, a few episodes ago, if the Giants decided to fire Joe Judge tomorrow, I wouldn't necessarily be losing any sleep over it. However, with that having been said, say what you want about Joe Judge. I don't really think he's lost the locker room. I think if you really look at how the games have gone in the second half, you can tell the players are still trying to play hard for him. And I think the biggest example of this is – the big cat. Leonard Williams played all game with a bum elbow. How many guys do you see playing with a bum elbow in a game that's pretty much in a season that's already a lost cause? And you also have to ask yourself, would he be playing in these circumstances under any other coach, especially if it was if the, if it's a game in a lost cause scenario? That to me might have been one of the few redeeming qualities of this game. And I respect Leonard Williams even more just for still wanting to play through that injury and keep his streak alive, whether it be for personal pride or whether it be for the fact that it's a rivalry game, it's you got to give it to Leonard Williams. And again, you got to give it to the giants for still not quitting on Joe judge, even though it was a pretty bad loss It. It's it's more of a lack of talent, if anything, more so than a lack of heart, I would say. But at the end of the day, that's a Dave Gettleman problem, and we'll get yeah. into that pretty much later. Also, these Micah Parsons to Lawrence Taylor comparisons need to stop. <laughs> they need to stop because the man did not have a sack on Sunday. And Matt Pert looked phenomenal. Over the past two games, he's given up zero pressures. In 48 pass-blocking snaps, it is a travesty. Earlier this season, and that is no knock against Nate Solder. Um, not that I've no, ever been sold on Solder. No, it goes back to what but, we were saying before. You, you, need, you need to let the younger guys get, get the reps. And that's what Gettleman's been saying all year long, and he's done everything but that. He went out and he got you know, a Billy price that he traded for. Um, I mean, just look at the, you, I mean, they had Brett Heggie and Jake Burton who were undrafted rookie free agents. Instead you went out 
and you went after guys like Matt Skura, who's been starting at left guard all year, and Ben Bredesen, who's been rotating with him. So I don't know. Uh, Devontae Booker had a good game, had runs of 28 and 31 yards, eight rushes for 74 yards on the day. And the Giants were even in rushing yards with Dallas. 124 for the Giants, just one more for Dallas. And Hank, Lorenzo Carter, who, by the way, I think is uh, a really big nutcase type of player. I'm not a fan of his at all. I want him off the team next year. Lorenzo Carter had his best game of the season. And only took him 15 weeks to get his first two sacks of the season. That's where it is. Which, ironically enough, Hank, our good buddy Lorenzo Carter is our Giants player of the week. Yeah, and if I'm being honest, this wasn't a guy I was, like, very, like, eager to give player of the week to. But all things considered, if you really look at everyone else who performed, there really wasn't anybody else besides Lorenzo Carter who stood out to me. And let's go over some of his numbers. As we mentioned, he had two sacks his first of the season. Only took him 15 weeks, but again, is what it is. Two of those tackles for a loss, one forced fumble and one pass defended. He had on the season, he has 32 tackles, one pick, one forced fumble, and as I mentioned, two sacks. 63.8 PFF grade. It's yeah, it's not that special. Drafted in the third round, 2018 out of Georgia. And it's a real shame, too, because last year we you may recall he had a severe injury against the Dallas Cowboys in that shootout it was I believe it was a 37-34 loss and we thought that maybe him being out was something that may have hurt the Giants over the course of the second half when they started to pick it up and win in the 2020 season but obviously we thought we thought maybe the poss- there was a possibility he'd be able to bounce back but obviously that didn't happen been a very disappointing season for him in his return from injury and in all likelihood I don't really see him coming back next year. If you're going to wait till now to have your first, your best game of the season, I'm I don't I don't really want this guy on the roster either. And I think for him, I think for him to do it now, I think it kind of shows he's more motivated for a contract. And if that's the case, see ya. Well, honestly, I got nothing to say about Lorenzo Carter being our player of the week. Goodbye. Uh, yeah. Look, I don't like the guy. Credit to him. He had a good game, but, man, he has to go. Uh, That's sad if we're picking a player like that as our player of the week, which, by the way, both of his sacks came in the fourth quarter. Uh, You know, real nice. Contract year, you show up in week 15, real nice. Uh, Especially his torn Achilles was in the first Dallas game last year. So it's not like he had his injury late in, in the season. His injury was relatively early in the year last year. So the, the man's had over a full year's time to recover from this and pr- produce to a certain extent. I mean, you think he'd at least get more than two sacks. He's losing reps to a second-round draft pick and a sixth-round draft pick that was claimed off waivers. That's embarrassing. Good Lord. Uh, speaking of those rookies, Ojolari and Roche each had half a sack on Sunday. Ojolari now has eight sacks on the season. Leonard Williams started his 109th consecutive game, and he caused that forced fumble 
that caused the only Cowboys turnover. And one thing I will say about the defense in this game, Dak Prescott did not go off on us like everybody said that he would. Dak Prescott barely threw for over 200 yards, not that he needed to throw for much more than that, but he did lose one fumble. The Giants kept everything in front of them on defense. They were never beat down the field for a humongous play in this game. We didn't see C.D. Lamb or Michael Gallup making 30, 40-yard catches, and that is a credit to this defense and guys like Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, Jaron Williams. We'll throw James Bradbury in there as well because he's been playing better as of late. But, Hank, I was very impressed with the secondary and what they were able to do, and that'll transition us into our key takeaways and how this team continues to fight. They continue to fight, but unfortunately, the defense is on the field for way, way too long. And it's scary because these last three games against the Eagles, the Bears, and the football team, whatever they're called, um, all three of them are potentially winnable games. I completely agree with that. And as you mentioned, two of these games are against division rivals. And I know Washington and Philadelphia are fighting for that last playoff spot, but the fact that they're that one team is exactly at 500 and one is under 500 tells you all you really need to know about those teams. They're flawed. And again, considering they're in the same division, you have that familiarity complex. I would not be surprised if the giants somehow chose to play spoiler against one of those two. Heck, I wouldn't even be surprised if if they beat the bears. I mean, the only team the bears could really beat this year was the, was the Detroit lions and they almost lost to them on Thanksgiving. So again, what does that tell you? Doesn't tell you much. Does not tell you much. And I think if there's one other important thing to take away from from this past week, it's that a backup quarterback next year is absolutely essential. As I often said, and as I said when I did my video regarding Daniel Jones being out for the season. You have a backup quarterback essentially for the same reason as to why you have a smoke detector in your house. What if that quarterback gets injured? And if I'm being honest with you, Tom, my issue with Daniel Jones, or at least my main issue with Daniel Jones, was never the turnovers. This might sound like a hot take, but the turnovers at least are something that's fixable. For me, it was always about his health. Daniel Jones is a running quarterback. He's successful to losing time, a significant amount of time. And if your starting quarterback is going to lose a significant fraction of the season on a yearly basis, that's a major red flag. And with that having said regarding the backup quarterbacks, I'm sorry. As I said before, I want no part of Mike Lennon on this team next year whatsoever. If you want to give Jake Fromm maybe a chance to audition, fine. I see no issue with that. He's a young quarterback. We don't know as much about him, so at least that would make sense. But at the very least, next year, one important thing, you have to get a backup quarterback. That is absolutely not negotiable, especially if you're going to go in trying to bank on Jones with one more chance. You've got to make sure you at least are set with the quarterback situation 
And look, we don't even know who's starting on Sunday. And the Giants didn't value the backup QB position this much this past offseason because it all came down to financials. Mike Lennon Mm -hmm. cost the Giants less money than Colt McCoy cost the Giants. And I thought Mike Lennon would have lived up to that contract. They saved $875,000 signing Mike Lennon instead of Colt McCoy, which at the time I thought was a good move. But Mike Lennon has proven that he could not be successful in in this offense. To your point on Daniel Jones. Part of the reason why he's taken all these hits, despite him yep. being a mobile quarterback, is what's put in front of him. His receivers, his receivers don't get open, so he can't establish through his progressions. His offensive line doesn't protect him enough that he can't even get past his first progression. So, you know, it really tells you that, you know, Jake Fromm, Mike Lennon, Adam Rothschild is right. Why does it matter who starts? I mean, I that's something that I've been saying too. Um, and that's why I think Patrick Graham really might be saving Joe judge here because the defense has been pretty, pretty good. Uh, you know, and we're talking about next year who the giants quarterback should be next year. I still think it should be Daniel Jones. And here's why Daniel Jones first 37 career starts has a record of 12 wins, 25 losses. He's completed 63% of his passes. Eighty-five hundred passing yards, forty-five touchdowns to just twenty-nine interceptions. Remember those two numbers: forty-five touchdowns to twenty-nine interceptions, and an eighty-four point three passer rating. Eli Manning, in his first thirty-seven career starts, this man is going to be a future Hall of Famer. Also, a two-time Super Bowl champion, he was nineteen and eighteen record. So he had a better record than Jones. Also, had a better team and a better coaching staff than Jones. Only a 58.4% completion percentage. Now, granted, the league was different back then, but Eli's accuracy was not as good as Jones. People complain about Jones' accuracy all the time. Jones has had better accuracy in his first three years than Eli Manning did. Passing yards, not as many. Again, different league. 52 touchdowns for Manning, so he threw more touchdown passes. He also had better receivers and stayed healthy for more games than Daniel Jones. And that differential is currently by only seven touchdowns. And you look at the games adding up, Jones has missed about seven games since being drafted by the Giants. Eli threw 42 interceptions. That's 13 more than Daniel Jones. Granted, he played a lot more games, and Eli had a lower passer rating with a better offensive line. Yes, and people are going to argue that was the mid-2000s. You can't win with those offensive numbers in today's game. You're absolutely right, Kyle. I'm just making a comparison, uh, you know, so that's that. That's just the reality of the situation. But I'm just throwing out the numbers, and a lot of people say that the numbers don't lie, and they really don't lie. They don't lie. Jones finished the season 10 touchdowns, 7 picks, 2,500 yards, completed 64% of his passes for an 85 QB rating and was sacked 22 times in 11 games. So he was getting sacked on average two times a game. And again, I don't think that's entirely a Daniel Jones problem. Like I said, there, there have been certain times where I've had to criticize certain decisions he's made when necessary. But again, I think part of that is definitely a Dave Gettleman problem. And Tom, yeah. I believe you have something to say about the beleaguered general manager. 
Sam's been patiently waiting for this, and I apologize. It's taken 40 minutes to get into it, but this team is just so bad we had to rip rip into them. So I forget whose account it was. It was Tyler Dunn or something like that, some guy on uh, Twitter. You, you can look him up, but there's been a lot of reports surrounding Dave Gettleman and the critical issues that he's made since being hired in December of 2017. Now, when he first came in, first week, he cuts Bobby Hart. I'm like, Yes, I love this. But former Carolina Panthers warned us about Dave Gettleman and the type of general manager that he was. All right. First issue that Dave Gettleman had, and it was reported that Dave Gettleman overestimated the value of the team's talent in 2018, which I think is factually true. He overestimated the talent that the Giants currently had on their roster. They had a lot of bad players. So what do they do? They go out and they give Nate Solder the bag four years, $62 million, and they give Jonathan Stewart a wealthy contract. This is before drafting Saquon Barkley. So you already have Jonathan Stewart on on your roster, and the people who are arguing against Saquon Barkley still do, to this day, have a valid argument. Now, I'm not going to say whether I agree or disagree with that, because at the time I liked the Barkley pick, but they're not wrong to say you could have went with Jonathan Stewart and focused on your offensive line. Right. Okay, the Giants tried to compete to win and rebuild at the same time. That never works. The Giants went, what was it, 5-11 and 11 that year for a reason, 3-13. and 13. I forget what it was. It was 5-11 like that. It was 5-11. It was 5-11. and 11. All right, so the Giants got a new toy. Um, I forget, uh, 2019. Apparently, this guy who wrote this article on Dave Gettleman said that Pat Shermer, who was the head coach at the time, told Dave Gettleman, I really want DeAndre Baker. We'll clean this kid up and he'll be fine. Dave Gettleman was, no, 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 no. I don't want DeAndre Baker. He caved in. He caved in and he selects DeAndre Baker 30th overall. Personnel is making draft decisions for Dave Gettleman, and he's just signing off the paper check. It was the same exact thing in 2020. Apparently, according to this article, again, I don't know how true this is, Jason Garrett wanted to draft Andrew Thomas. He liked Andrew Thomas, and Dave Gettleman wanted him fourth overall. It was Andrew Thomas, and it was nobody else, and you couldn't convince him otherwise. And you ever watch these Dave Gettleman press conferences and he kind of belittles reporters and says, well, you you know, like Dave Gettleman seems like he has everything under control. He knows what he's talking about. And look, I've been pro Gettleman for a while, but I've lost it. I've lost it at this point with this man. Nice guy, but oh, my God, Uh, there's some serious front office issues with this team. We're talking about and it, it goes above Dave Gettleman. John Mara is a big Yes, man. Yes, man. Yeah. And it's funny. Chris Mara, th- this Giants organization is so trash because it's all family oriented and based off familiarity. Chris Mara is is the uh, senior person or senior vice president of personnel, whatever he is. And then the two people below Chris Mara helping Dave Gettleman make decisions is um, this one guy who was a yes man to Dave Gettleman in in Carolina who joined the Giants front office. And the other is John Mara's nephew, Tim McDonald. So here you go. The Giants aren't 
hiring from outside. The, everything is in-house. Everything is in-house and based off familiarity. Do what Wellington Mara did. Take a chance on George Young. Look how that went. It went brilliantly. And you know what? John Mara needs to take a page out of his father's playbook. I like John Mara. I want him to succeed. But Dave Gettleman is just a big part of the issue. He is not the full root of the issue. It stems above the Giants. When Dave Gettleman retires at the end of the season and walks out with his Giants pride, we can't all just throw out colors and rainbows. That's not going to be the case. By the way, Tom, I do have to kind of make one point regarding what you said about George Young. That You know why George Young got hired, right? You know the story about that, right? Kind of. I don't want to get too into it. but That yeah. wasn't necessarily – that had more to do with Pete Rosell trying to settle a dispute between Wellington and his nephew, who at right. the time was the, the other majority owner of the Giants. Yep. But yep. either way, you're right. The, the fact that he was the only outside the organization hire that the Giants have made since – since the merger tells you really all you need to know about how they operate and And nothing is going to change. And that's why I'm like, I'm going to feel nothing if Dave Gettleman leaves, even though I should be ecstatic about him being gone. Tom, you you and I both know how this franchise operates. I, I can't until I actually see some semblance of them doing the right thing by taking an offensive lineman in the first round of the draft or fixing, fixing the edge rushers. It's going to be hard to get me to like, feel like any sense of hope regarding big blue. I'm sorry to but say, hold on. My rant's not over. Oh, go for it. He, promised, he Gettleman promised to fix the offensive line. Never happened. Never happened. He went out and he signed Nate Solder. He drafted Will Hernandez. We went out and we drafted Saquon Barkley and Will Hernandez. Look how that's turned out for us. Instead of potentially going for other guys like Quentin Nelson, who would have, who would have been a great pick at that point, um, and then the Giants, everyone's like, oh, Will Hernandez, he's a first-round steal. Absolutely not. Anyway, uh, the Giants went into free agency and tried to fix their roster. Okay. 2020, Gettleman had a pretty good offseason. He signed players that made sense. He didn't spend the bag good uh intermediate contracts with blake martinez and james bradbury i thought those two contracts were good contracts right they went out they got kyler Fackrell. i mean these moves they all made sense right he did the exact opposite in 2021 in 2020 he signed guys who didn't have an injury history in 2021 he did he went against what he promised to do The Kyle Rudolph contract. I'm a big Notre Dame fan. I love Kyle Rudolph. I love Kyle Rudolph as a person because he's a Notre Dame fighting Irish player. But, man, was that contract bad. Did we really need to spend that money on Kyle Rudolph? No. Uh, Backloading a bunch of contracts. He backloaded Leonard Williams. Probably not the best idea. to the climate of the offseason with the money the Giants had. They really could have kept Kevin Zeitler, couldn't they have now, thinking about it. They really could have pushed a little bit harder to get an offensive lineman in the draft. But no, they didn't, and they were, they were 
trying to find scraps on the waiver wire at the end of the offseason. 14 of our current 53 active players on our roster tonight were draft picks. 14 of our 53, ladies and gentlemen, were draft picks. Seven of our drafted players are on IR. So if you include everybody else on the team, we only have 21 players on our roster who were drafted. 21. Also, the Giants currently have 20 players on IR. That is a lot. So you're going to get a lot of players who are in draft picks. But still, it's really sad. It's really, really, really sad. Um, The reason why I was optimistic about Dave Gettleman He had a pretty darn good 2020 offseason. He did. I thought his 2020 draft was good. He found Tay Crowder. He made Nick Gates this full-time starting center. He helped. You know, I thought he made a good head coaching hire in Joe Judge. I still think Joe Judge is a good head coaching hire, um, regardless of what people say about him. He's not, you know, he's not perfect. We'll get to that. Uh, But look. He completely reversed what he did in the 2021 offseason. I shook my head when the Giants signed Kenny Galladay because I knew they didn't have enough beef up front to get him the football. I know the comments section is absolutely blowing up right now, but Sam asks, is John Mara's nephew even qualified for his job? I'm not sure. I don't know much about Tim McDonald, Sam. I'd be lying if I said I did. I'm not going to say yes or no to that, but... With the way things are looking right now, this seems more like uh, a, a little bit of a favoritism hire. So I don't know. That's a really good question. It may have taken 15 weeks, but, Tom, you finally got mad about the Giants. Well, yeah, because I was expecting a 10-7 and 7 season. And now my best hope is 7-10. and 10. My best hope is 7-10. and 10. So obviously I'm disappointed. Uh Kyle, it's been more like three-plus years because this sounds like you a long time ago. I think I just have a little bit more patience. I like to build things, right? I like to build things to get long-term success, and we're not seeing that right now. I'm willing to be patient for a couple of years if it means we're going to be good for potentially 10 years, right? Does that make sense, Hank? Yeah, no, I I totally get it. And Tom – better you than me you've been you've been more like patient and less more level-headed than i am i'm i'm dead serious and Uh, look for you to go out and rant like that like i'm i'm with kyle and james here like that says something and listen i i've probably had my moments where i exploded over the past few years but that's because like after a certain amount of time the incompetence of this organization and the losing It gets frustrating, doesn't it? This is the thing with me. It takes a lot for me to have a boiling point with the Giants because I am accustomed to them being a winning football culture, and they have completely reversed themselves. I hit the restart button once they hired Pat Shermer. I did it again when they hired Joe Judge. I did it when they hired Dave Gettleman. I lost it with Pat Shermer. And now I've lost it with Dave Gettleman. It's been four years. Time is up, buddy. Goodbye. Thank you. Next, on that note, uh, that was my rant on Dave Gettleman. Appreciate everybody for watching that. You probably won't see another rant like that for like another three to four years. Um, But again, a lot lot of these rumors might be true. Apparently, like, you know, 
and, and apparently two scouts got fired and let go by the Giants after they flew in to the uh, 20, I think it was the 2021 draft. I'm not so sure what happened, but the Giants waited to fire those scouts until they arrived. So I thought that was really odd as well. That was one last thing I wanted to point out about that article. Again, this is all tongue-in-cheek right now, but um, I, I don't think this would be written up if it wasn't true. This guy seems pretty credible according to uh, social media. And it takes a lot for me to be convinced by social media, just so you know. I like to do my stat digging before coming out and saying something. But on that note, we are going to transition into our next segment in featuring the Philadelphia Eagles folks. Uh, I've really been looking forward to this football game uh, over the past several weeks now because I am so excited to hopefully sweep the Philadelphia Eagles this season. And let's take a trip down the New Jersey Turnpike. love doing that to me you, I, I know you, you just love playing <laughs> they are playing in philadelphia this i week. know i know i know i just they only do it once a year so yep. um but anyway all right by the way that video is going to continue to be played until the giants finally win a game in philadelphia so you better hope they win on sunday all right so our 4-10 Giants are taking on the 7-7 seven seven Philadelphia Eagles, a team that just played two nights ago. Uh, they beat the Washington football team by a final score of 27-17. to The Eagles currently lead the all-time series against the Giants 88-87-2, but the Giants have won two straight. So there is a chance to even up the all-time series this weekend, Hank, and I'm very excited to have the opportunity to do that. I know, and it's it's been a long time since we've swept the Eagles. I would say probably since 2007. And you want to know another crazy fact? Last time we won in Philadelphia, Tom, I believe you would have been a freshman in college, and I know I was a junior. At, I was a junior at Greeley. So I, I think we're long overdue for a win. I hate you so much for bringing that up. That gives away my age. The Giants haven't won in Philly since I was a freshman in college. I would say we're long overdue for a win in that horrible city. That was my first semester of college, too. Oh, my God. Really? Yep. Oh, my God. You know how good I am with dates, Tom. (sighs) Yeah. Look, we're long overdue. The Eagles are only 2-4 and at home this season, but the Giants are 1-6 and on the road. And before we briefly recap the last meeting back in Week 12, Kevin Mondello as a comment, I agree. Great points you brought up. Us Giants fans deserve better. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Kevin, you're damn right, folks. You're damn right, Kevin. Remember to share this podcast, uh, like this video, subscribe to us on YouTube, tell your friends, tell maybe a few more friends, uh, join in on this fun and this Giants rant here tonight. This Christmas themed show. Happy holidays, everybody! Uh, it is Festivus, Giants Eagles. So, hey. Last time out, Giants won at MetLife Stadium 13-7. to 
back in week 12, the Giants will not win this weekend scoring 13 points. I'll guarantee you that. I will guarantee you that. Well, let, let me put it this way. We're lucky the Eagles didn't have a better quarterback because Jalen Hurts has been kind of an up-and-down quarterback. Obviously, yeah. he's a guy that, like, you if you if you can make him throw the ball like last game, then you have a good chance of winning. Yeah, because that's exactly how the Giants were able to win. The guy on the on their team that scares me the most, and even though I wouldn't, he's not like a star running back. It's Boston Scott. He he on 15 rushes, he had 64 yards on touchdown. Miles Sanders is another guy you got to watch out for. And if there's one thing the Giants have had trouble with defensively, it's stopping the run. So. I would say if you can contain Boston Scott and if you can make Jalen Hurts throw the ball, then I think you're in fine shape. Because remember, this is the same team that forced four turnovers against the Eagles. But with that being said, it, it really shouldn't have been that close of a game. The Eagles should not have had one more chance to win, win it at the end. But that's an indictment not just on our own team, but that's really an indictment on them too. And that's really – it's another thing that proves my point that the Eagles, despite the fact that they're competing for a playoff spot – that's a flawed team. I'm I'm sorry. That's not me just that's not me saying that because it's my least favorite team in the NFL. This is a fact. Well, it is a fact. The Giants have a plan have a chance to play spoiler this weekend, although the Giants technically are not eliminated from playoff contention yet. It would so take, you're saying there's a chance. <clears throat> yes, it would take either a uh I mean if the Giants lose, they're out. But uh, if Minnesota and New Orleans both win, the Giants are out. That's that's the way it stands. So, yeah, last time out, they couldn't stop Scott. They couldn't stop Sanders. But Kenneth Gainwell was their leading receiver. The secondary did pretty well. Devontae Smith had just two catches. Yes, Jalen Rager did help the Giants out late. And Kyle Russo says, Hank, these aren't fun facts. These are terrible truths. Kyle, bro, that's a low blow, man. Uh, now he will look like an all-star this weekend. Well, look, I think Hurt sucks. I, I really out. do. Everyone's like, ooh, ah, he had a good game against Washington. Oh, the worst secondary in the NFL this season? Chase Young, out for the year. Jonathan Allen, been out for a while? Come on. Come on, fans. Like, read between the lines a little bit. Now, here's the question. Jake Fromm. We don't even know who's starting at quarterback. Joe Judge is keeping it a secret, and I love that he's keeping it a secret so that the Eagles have the game plan for both Jake Fromm and Mike Lund, and this works to our advantage perfectly. It works to our advantage beautifully, and I love it. Giants fans might not like it, but I like not knowing who the starter is at this point in the season. It's not like the Giants are going to the playoffs, so Joe Judge might as well keep it a secret to Philadelphia and try to screw them over a little bit, so I think it's a smart decision. It's the least the Giants could do to repay the favor that the Eagles did to us last season. Well, the Giants did that to themselves, but the Eagles just added the icing on the cake. Um, Yeah, exactly. Retribution. But, Hank, for those of people who don't know, who is Jake from? So, as I talked about in a previous video, which you can check out on the Big Blue Avenue YouTube channel, Jake Fromm was a quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs. And actually he had a pretty successful career with them too. He led them. He led them to the national title game against the Alabama Crimson Tide when he was a true freshman. He started 42 games for them. And 
as we know, he is very familiar with Andrew Thomas. He has prote- been protecting from his blind side for all the years that he was a starting quarterback. And I thought he was a decent quarterback when he was with Georgia. And from looking at all the stats about him, I thought his numbers were okay, but they weren't overly impressive. And I think because he doesn't necessarily have a strong arm, I think that's probably why he fell so far in the draft. And I think that's why a lot of people, so, such as Noah Dibler, shout out Noah if you're watching this, he's a hardcore Georgia Bulldogs fan. A lot of people like him probably thought he should have stayed on for his senior year, senior year. But in any event, he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills in the fifth round. He didn't even get a chance to suit up for a game because he was, I believe he was their third string quarterback and he was so far off the depth chart that he didn't even get to suit up for a game until the Giants game in Miami. So now potentially, it really just goes to show you, the NFL, anything can happen. Now he has a chance to get his first ever NFL start. And it's a pretty big game in the sense that it could be a chance to spoil the playoff hopes from one of your most hated rivals. So that's definitely very interesting. It should also be worth noting that he was teammates with Tate Crowder and Aziz Ojolari, and he, he's going up against those guys in practice. So it'll be very interesting to see what he does in his first ever NFL start. And I think I know one reason you probably want the Giants to win is for them to help out another team that I know you have a soft spot for, the Minnesota Vikings. And yeah, there's a that that, that I'm sure that's a win for you on multiple levels, is it not? Yeah, I'd like to see the Vikings make the playoffs. They currently hold a seven seed, and the Giants beating Philly would definitely help them out. And the Vikings playing at home against the Rams. Matthew Stafford is really bad playing in Minnesota historically, so I think that's a game that the Vikings are going to actually steal from the Rams. So I think that would put them a game ahead in the stand. Yeah, I, I think the Vikings are winning on Sunday. Jeez. Uh, Rams are coming off high. Uh, I mean, not too high. They barely scooted by Seattle. Uh so, yeah, I'm picking the Vikings to beat the Rams this weekend. Uh, it should be noted that they barely scooted by Seattle with, like, half the team on COVID. And it should also be noted that Matthew Stafford has a better team around him now than he did with Detroit against Minnesota. Also factual, but I, I just think the Vikings are the – and I know I get it, Dalvin Cook is out, but uh, let's, let's get back to the Giants. All right, so uh, the Giants restructure the contracts of tight end Kyle Rudolph and punter Riley Dixon this week. Creates 350 – thousand in cap space the rest of the season i have seen too many giants fans on twitter saying the giants should cut riley dixon at the end of this season while i think it might be a good idea to cut rudolph i do not think it is a good idea to cut riley dixon do we ever hear the name riley dixon besides when he comes out to punt no why do we ever have issues with the snap on field goals no why fix what's not broke yeah He's paid a little bit too much money. Is that Riley Dixon's fault? No, it's Dave Gettleman's fault. So with that being said, I would like to keep Riley Dixon in the offseason. Give him an extension. He's only due money until the end of 2022 anyway, so you could extend him to even out that money a little, a little bit. I'm sure he would take a pay cut if there's a new GM in town saying, look, you know, work with Joe for one year, then if it doesn't work out, then you can hire your own guy, and then 
you, you know, you can make the moves that you want. I think Riley Dixon should sign up for that. And I think the Giants should sign up for, for Riley Dixon again. I think he's very important. He also had a successful onside kick a week or two ago. That also goes unnoticed. He does a lot of little things on special teams that I think Joe Judge admires. And he's never said a bad thing about Riley Dixon. So uh, for those right. of you saying the Giants should cut Riley Dixon, I think you should shut up. Well, to be fair, that might sound harsh, but it's, I think it's true. Well, listen, looking beyond your love for uh, Riley Dixon, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think, I think a punter does little things that like the average fan doesn't really see. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on board with keeping him another year. And here's why I'm not shoving favoritism. I love Kyle Rudolph as well, but I I think we should cut him. He went to Notre Dame. I think we should cut him. Uh, Look, it was the same thing last year with Golden Tate. He went to Notre Dame cut him yeah no, that's very fair other news in Giants world they signed cornerback Darquez Denard to the practice squad along with Dwayne Johnson not the rock just for those of you who are who are wondering (laughs) uh, I wish Denard a former first round pick in 2014 by the Bengals oof the Giants love picking up former first round picks that don't pan out gotta love it John Ross Billy Price and Darquez Denard the Giants now own three former Bengals first-round picks on their roster. Sounds uh, like sounds uh, like they love Band-Aids like another team that you root for. Stop it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Denard played six seasons for the Bengals. He is 30 years of age, uh, started six games for the Atlanta Falcons last year in his seventh NFL season. Other news for the Giants, wide receiver Kadarius Toney removed off the COVID list. That is good news. He has a shot to play on Sunday. However, still on the COVID list is John Ross, O'Shane Zimenez, Cam Brown, Aaron Robinson, and Keon Lawson. So the secondary is depleted yet again, part of the reason why the Giants signed Denard. Um, Other news. Ryan Kerrigan missed practice for the Eagles today. He is in COVID-19 protocol and more importantly, head coach Nick Sirianni also enters COVID-19 protocol. He tested positive for the virus and likely will not be on the sidelines coaching Philadelphia this Sunday. Huge blow for them. Also, New Jersey native Kevin Petulo likely to replace him. He is the Eagles passing game coordinator. Yep, it'll be... Interesting to see how the Eagles do without their head man on the sidelines. And uh, let's talk about some keys to this game, shall we? Yeah, let's uh, let's go over some keys to the game. Hank, why don't you start us off here? Well, I'm not going to go with the one that you think I usually will say. Instead, I'm just going to say stop the run. Because as I said earlier, I think – the possible difference between a win and a loss and what could have been a disaster the last time we played them was their inability to stop the run. The Eagles averaged 214 rushing yards per game since week eight. That's the most in the NFL. They've had two, they had 208 rushing yards back in week 12. And again, that almost cost the giants Lane Johnson, Jordan Maliata. They have been ranked pretty well in PFF. Jason Kelsey also has been another good offensive lineman for them. Jalen Smith played last week against the Cowboys, made a tackle on his first snap. Is he going to be more involved this week? We shall see. But I really think stopping the run is going to be absolutely vital if you're going to beat the Eagles. Basically, 
In other words, I'm going to say this once again, make Hertz throw the ball. Yeah. Um, I also think it's important that Jalen Smith gets more reps because that adds another run stopping linebacker. Uh, Tate Crowder is more of a pass coverage linebacker. I think Jalen Smith brings more of a run stopping game and should be inserted above Reggie Ragland in the starting lineup. Uh, if he knows the playbook well enough at this point, because last week against Dallas, he made a tackle on his first snap of the game. So will he be more involved? That's going to be interesting. I think the key for me is winning the turnover battle, right? Last time out, Giants had no turnovers. The Eagles had four, and we barely skated by winning 13-7. to That's not going to happen again. The Eagles will not be turning the ball over four times in this game. They've watched enough, enough tape from Week 12 to fix it. Uh, Jalen Hurts made his first start on Tuesday night since the Week 12 game against us. So being that the Eagles played on Tuesday night, I think the Giants need to take advantage of the short week. The Eagles are having some COVID issues with their head coach. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's really crazy because all signs are pointing that this is working out in the Giants' favor, but we have an incompetent interim offensive coordinator in Freddie Kitchen since taking over for Jason Garrett. Instead of averaging 16 points a game, Freddie Kitchens is averaging under 11 points per game since taking over. And it's been four weeks. So it's time to start criticizing Freddie Kitchens because the offense hasn't been there either. And honestly, this is going to sound crazy coming out of my mouth, but Jason Garrett is probably clapping at home right now. (laughs) I, again, I'm really not sure. Say that again. Don't you love working with me? I do. I do. It's, it's always been a pleasure. Um, I would say it's probably either I'm really not sure whether it's either the offensive coordinators or it's or whether it's the system as a whole. But yeah, at the end of the day, when I made that when I talked about Jason Garrett's firing, I never once said that Freddie Kitchens was going to be the permanent offensive coordinator. No, I think we course, knew yeah. it best. I think we knew it best. It was an interim basis, and we knew we know they're going to get a new offensive coordinator anyway. So I wouldn't really worry about him. So as far as my last key to the game. What do you think I'm going to say? Get off the field on third down and let me explain why this is a big deal this week. The Dallas Cowboys went 57% on third down conversions. If that happens against the Philadelphia Eagles, more often than not, more more than likely, that's probably not going to be a win. And our secondary is looking very similar to last week. I don't think that the Giants will not be getting a Dory Jackson back yet. Um, Aaron Robinson is still in the COVID protocol. So I don't know who's going to start opposite James Bradbury. If it's going to be Jaron Williams again, who granted wasn't bad, I'll be the first to admit. But Hank, let's get into some players to watch. We'll do three for Philly and then three for the Giants. So, uh, why don't you do your first player for Philly and then I'll do mine and then we'll, we'll do, we'll do it that way. We'll start with Philadelphia. I'm going to go with Devonte Smith first because okay. again, the Giants secondary, as we said, they are COVID slash injury depleted. He he's looked, he's shown some flashes of greatness this season. Again, I don't know if, I don't know if he's going to be the star that the Eagles think, but 
he definitely is has a lot of great athletic ability, and I think he's definitely going to be someone that the Giants will have to watch out for. And I think the big question is, can Bradbury Bunker return to form and stop him? Yeah, um, that, that's definitely a good player to watch because last time Bradbury did pretty good against him. Yep. Um, one player to watch for me is Boston Scott. He is, quote-unquote, a giant nightmare. On the year, his stats aren't great, but he did tear us up last time out. Scott has four touchdowns on the season. I'm pretty sure career-wise he has like 11, 12 touchdowns against us at this point. So Sounds uh, about right. I'm very concerned about him, especially because Miles Sanders missed his second straight practice today. So that means probably more of Boston Scott on Sunday which is never a good thing for the Giants. Speaking of never a good thing for the Giants, Dallas Goddard. He uh, had seven catches for 135 yards. Okay. And he, on the season, has 48 catches for 731 yards and four touchdowns. He had an 88.3 PFF grade and 90.4 receiving receiving it's a contract year he signed a four-year extension for the eagles and he's been a pretty productive tight end for them all things considered but why did i say dallas goddard what do the giants have trouble doing covering tight ends yeah also goddard had a uh career game the other night he went off he went off and this guy's in a contract year. They gave him a four-year contract extension the week of the first Giants-Eagles game this season. So he's locked in for Philly. This was shortly after they traded away Zach Ertz. So I don't think the Giants are going to be able to cover him. That's a good one. For me, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox is always a player you want to watch. I think he give the Giants fits and force whoever plays quarterback to throw the ball often. Uh, Giants only had 70 rushing yards against Philadelphia back in week 12 on the season. Fletcher Cox Cox has 11 quarterback hits, three sacks, and he is pretty good up the middle. He has been a force for a long time for these Philadelphia Eagles. He got rest today at practice, uh, yesterday at practice that was, but I'm sure he'll be good to go come Sunday. Hank? Yeah, and I think the last guy that I'm going to mention – I would say Darius Slay, pro bowler, did a good job covering Galladay last time. It'll be interesting to see if he if he excuse me, blankets Galladay again like last time. And his PFF grade 81.6, 48 tackles, four of them for a loss, yep. three picks. This is a guy that I would imagine whoever throws throws for the Giants will probably want to be careful of. So yeah. that's my other player to watch. That's a good one. And the last one for me, I mean, we haven't talked about him yet, so I'm going to bring him up now, is Jalen Hurts. Very explosive talent. That is tough to bring down. Can the Giants seal the edge and keep his rushing numbers down? I'm more concerned about his rushing numbers than his passing numbers. He had 77 on the ground against the Giants last time. I think Hurts may struggle through the air again, depending on who's available in the Giants' secondary. Can he take advantage of an ailing Giants' secondary at the moment, which is currently the strength of our defense. He's only thrown 14 touchdowns this year to nine interceptions. Three of those came against us back in week 12. So hopefully the Giants can get to him. And then honorable mention, of course, Javon Hargrave, seven and a half sacks on the season. So look out for him as well. Uh, Hank, take any player off the Eagles 
and put them on the Giants, steal one, who is it? Oh, gosh, this is a tough one. I'm going to say Javon Hargrave because just for the sheer fact that we need another edge rusher, seven and a half sacks, that's production that, like, I, I wish – I wish we had more of on the Giants besides just Aziz Ojolari. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I like him a lot. Just to be a little different, um, I'm going to go with uh, what's his name? Uh, TJ Edwards, the linebacker, inside linebacker. Mm. I think he's a good young linebacker that the Giants can use. We don't have any of those really, so we could always – use good pass coverage linebackers as well. So I think he'd be a good one to get. Uh, but I do like the Javon Hargrave pick a lot. If you didn't pick him, I probably would have. But, yeah, I'll steal TJ Edwards from the nice. Philadelphia Eagles. I like that choice too. Nothing nothing wrong with that one. Moving and, on. uh, yes, moving on. Do you have anything else there? No, no. I was, I was ready to move on too. All right. Since the Giants stink uh, – just kidding. We're still going to do three each for the Giants, but yeah. Um, yeah. we'll start with you here. Who is the first player you're looking at? Excellent. Give it to you. Been our best member okay. of the secondary this year. Picked off Jalen Hurts. Why not? Okay. That's a good one. I'm going Aziz Ojolari. Eight sacks as a rookie, 11 quarterback hits, and a forced fumble. I really like him off the edge, and if the Giants are going to win this football game, they have to contain the edge so that Jalen Hurts does not scamper for, um, you know, a bunch of yardage down the field. So I'm going Aziz Ojolari as my first Giants player to watch. Also, also an excellent choice. Uh, next player, I'm going to say Kenny Galladay was targeted seven times last week, although – or sorry, he was targeted seven times in the last Eagle game. I – but he only finished with three catches, yeah. 50 yards. Hopefully he'll get more targets and he'll be more productive. Maybe there's a chance that he'll have his better game with Jake Fromm under center. I don't really know. I can't be too sure with this team anymore, but I feel like I name this guy every week and he never produces. So what do I know? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going Leonard. Big cat is my second. Yeah. Played through a serious elbow injury last week. Love him for it. Uh, he really doesn't have to still be on the field this season, but he is because he loves his, he loves starting football games and he loves playing for head coach Joe Judge. Eleven QB hits, five and a half sacks, two forced fumbles on the season. He is the 16th ranked interior defensive lineman and leads all interior defensive linemen in the NFL in tackles. And I think if you're going to stop that Eagles run game. He plays a big role in that, along with guys like Dexter Lawrence and Austin Johnson. Yes, definitely. That's another great one. And I think last but not least, even though he's not even the leading rusher on our team, oh, gosh. unfortunately, I I have to say Saquon. Yeah. If, if the Giants are going to win this game, I think him being the focal point on this offense is definitely something that's important. And you know what the crazy thing is? Behind a certain tight end who is much maligned, he has the second most receptions on this team. What does that tell you about our offense? So I think maybe Saquon has his – maybe he has a redemption game, but 
I don't know. I think that's probably a pipe dream, if anything. We'll see. Knock on wood. Hank, you're going to hate my third and final player to watch. I didn't even put him on the script, so you're not going to know who this is. Billy Price. Oh, wow. Right. And here's like why. <laughs> Billy Price, do I think he's coming back next year? Probably not, but he's been improving throughout the course of the season. His hands are going to be full on Sunday against guys like Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. That is where the Eagles' strength is on their defensive line. They aren't great off the edge. They're without Brandon Graham, so I'm not really worried there. Uh, Matt Skura and Will Hernandez scare me a lot more on the interior than Billy Price at this point. I think Will Hernandez doesn't even know when stunts are coming, so that's a big problem. Matt Skura is a converted center playing left guard, so Billy Price for me is the guy that's going to have to anchor the ship in the middle of that defensive line, especially with the revolving door at right tackle as well. So outside of Andrew Thomas, you could argue that Billy Price has been our second-best lineman this season. And it's crazy because at one point we hated Billy Price and said he was the worst player on this roster. That is not the case anymore. Billy Price is one of my players to watch. I like that. That's very, very outside the box. Somebody who's improved. I think maybe strong play from the offensive line can definitely help. But, again, we'll see. I, I it. It's hard for me to say I'm optimistic. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, Giants injury report. Gary Brightwell did not practice today with a neck injury. Big blow to the special teams unit. I don't know if he's going to play. Ben Bredesen also did not practice with an ankle injury. He has to get at least a limited session in tomorrow in order to play on Sunday. Leonard Williams, Andrew Thomas, Kyle Rudolph, Austin Johnson, Colin Gillespie, and Saquon Barkley were all limited hank why don't you roll us through the eagles injury report all righty and so for the eagles jordan maliata with an ankle injury did not play miles Sa- sanders had a quad had a quad injury he he had 18 rushes for 131 yards 7.3 yards per carry against washington however he also did not practice due to a quad ryan kerrigan Due to an illness, also did not practice. He was placed on the COVID-19 list. The fourth Eagles since Sunday. More than likely, he will not be playing. As for limited practices, Jack Stoll, Jordan Howard, and Jalen Hurts. And Jason Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Fletcher Cox also did not practice. However, that was more because they're veterans and they wanted to give them some rest. So there you have it for the Philadelphia Eagles injury report. And one interesting point of note. Jordan Maliata is the starting left tackle for Philadelphia. If he can't go, that's a huge issue going up against guys like Ojolari and Roche off the edge at that five-tech position. So, you know, I mean, whoever's replacing him at left tackle, if Maliata doesn't play, better be ready because the Giants have a fierce young edge-rushing duo coming at you. And Miles Sanders, if he doesn't play with the quad, who's the number one running back? Is it Jordan Howard? who's not 100%, or do you go with a guy like Boston Scott or Kenneth Gainwell? Eagles are very uh, loaded at that run. Not maybe, maybe not loaded, but they're deep at the running back position. They mm-hmm. have a lot of guys who can go out there. Um, all right, but at this time, we're going to make our game predictions, and then after our game predictions, we're going to have a short, brief, Christmas-themed holiday segment to close out the show. Um, Hank, who wins final score? You know what? This is gonna. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually pick the Giants for once. 
I say the Giants will win this game by a final score of, I'll say, 21 to 18. Wow, you have the Giants scoring 21 points on Sunday. I know. I know. Crazy, but you know what? Maybe we'll get a Christmas miracle. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Um, Unfortunately, I wish I could agree with you. I'm going the other way. I think the Eagles are going to win this game. Uh, The Eagles are fighting for a lot more right now than just a win. Their playoff hopes are on the line. The Giants, their secondary is depleted. Yes, the Eagles have issues with COVID. Their head coach won't be on the sideline, but the Giants' offense has been so incompetent right now, and – if Jake Fromm starts at quarterback, I just don't know what we're going to get from him throughout a whole four quarters. So until he proves to me that he can, you know, win a football game for this team, I can't pick the Giants because I'm not picking the Giants if Mike Lennon starts. And the fact that we don't even know who it is, I can't pick the Giants at this time. If Jake Fromm plays, though, I might be more inclined to potentially pick the Giants. But at this time, I'm going Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they're going to score. Oh gosh, it's going to be a low, low-scoring game. Uh, I'm going maybe not as low as last time though. I'm going to go Philadelphia 19, Giants 17. I have the Giants scoring 17 points. Considering if Jake Fromm starts, I think they'll put together two touchdowns. If not, then I may have to dip. But this is me assuming that Jake Fromm starts. But yeah, crazy. Either way, I think we both can agree it's not going to be a high-scoring game. No, it's not. I don't think the Eagles are going to have much success against our defense either, even if our secondary guys are out. But, mm-hmm. all right, Hank, so I revealed my picks on the show last week, uh, my favorite mm-hmm. Christmas food, beverage, and uh, movie. If you missed those, uh, make sure to tune in to Review and Preview. Uh, we put a little YouTube clip up on our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. But, Hank, your favorite Christmas food, beverage, and movie? Mm, this is a very good question. There's a lot of good ones that come out to mind. But, Tom, believe it or not, just like you, I also happen to be a mashed potatoes guy. You cannot go wrong with that stuff. Whether you're eating it with, like, ham or wh- or whatever meat's being served or turkey or whatnot – Mashed potatoes is the perfect side, and this might sound a little crazy, but I like to put a little hot sauce in that. I I like spicy stuff. I can't have my mashed potatoes full of blue blanket. So, yeah, I'm going to go with mashed potatoes. I'm very, very big on the mash. And uh, my favorite beverage sheet to have on Christmas, um, you know what? I'm a simple guy. Just let me have a, have a beer, and I'm good to go. And as for favorite uh, Christmas movie – now, this is where it gets tough because there are a few that come to mind. I love me some Elf. Will Ferrell is awesome. Fun fact, I actually share a birthday with Will Ferrell, July 16th. That movie, for me, is never not funny. The Home Alone series, you can't go wrong with either. Both One, one I think, was the better Home Alone film, but even though two, if anything, I think was kind of a carbon copy of Home Alone, minus the fact that he was in New York City and minus the fact that, you know, it's pretty much him learning the exact same lessons and doing the exact same thing, just step going on the wrong lane. It's still just as funny. And, I mean, hey, you got Tim Curry as one of the hotel concierge guys. It, how can you not love Tim Curry either? So home, the Home Alone series is great. However, 
there is one movie that I like better than those two. I just wanted to give them an honorable mention. I happen to be a very big fan of It's a Wonderful Life, the classic really? 1946 film with James Stewart learning about how how good he really has with his life. It's it's a movie that I have to watch every year on Christmas Eve. And as a matter of fact, NBC always plays it. I believe it around seven on Christmas Eve. It has been, it is a movie that has absolutely stood the test of time. And I just love that scene at the end where once after he sees what life is like without him and how, and how much he really means to Bedford falls, Mr. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, George Bailey wakes up. He runs around town. He's just so happy to, oh, yeah, yeah. What he has such an iconic scene. And when everybody chips in to help him out, get out of his debt, it's it's just such a heartwarming film. It, it's never I, I love that film. Yeah, that's a classic. I've watched that a few times. Maybe I'll watch that again this Christmas. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm a Christmas story guy. Catch some Christmas story. I like Home Alone. I like Rudolph. Uh, I like all the good Christmas shows. Uh, definitely some good stuff. And Kyle Russo comments Christmas Vacation is always a good one. Ooh, yeah. Yes. He's got a point. Oh, Brian. Brian McArdle waits till the very last second to comment this. Fun fact Jake Fromm's worst college season stats were better than Daniel Jones's best season. Can I rebut that comment? Sure. Daniel Jones didn't have the talent that Jake Fromm had when he was at Georgia. Duke is not known for being a college program like Georgia is. Anyone who knows Georgia at all knows that Kirby Smart is very good at recruiting players. I mean, look at all the NFL talent they've had over the years. So take that of what you will. I mean, numbers definitely mean something, but I don't think they really tell you the whole story. So it's really hard to judge with that. Thank you for the comment, Brian McArdle. Make sure to go check out From the Stands Sports. We are a college football show that uh, I join Brian on as a co-host, along with Andy Hopper from the Brew Party. Always have a good time uh, talking sports, college football. A lot of bowl games coming up. Kyle says, Brian coming up clutch with the stats to finish the show. LOL. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Kyle. Hank's mom, Jamie, says, shout out for a Charlie Brown Christmas. That oh, Yes, that is a good that one, one too. How could I leave that one out? I love Shame that one. On me. <laughs> love, love some Charlie Brown. Yes. Um, yeah. Lucy, uh, Linus, right? Linus or, yeah. Linus and Lucy are the brother and sister. Snoopy, and Woodstock. I always, always have that image of Lucy being in that makeshift makeshift little hut that says the doctor is in and then that'll be five cents yeah (laughs) oh man well that's going to close out the show for tonight folks as we've approached 8 30 now here um man i appreciate everybody for commenting on the show tonight really appreciate it um hopefully we get to recap a giants win next week haven't done that in a little bit it would be nice to sweep the season series against the philadelphia eagles but um Until then, make sure to go follow us on all of our social media platforms below. And the next week, we'll be previewing the Week 17 Chicago Bears matchup. We have a Bears fan or two lined up for that, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But, folks, once again, you've been watching Big Blue Avenue here on Facebook Live. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and let's go Big 
blue.